Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly. I'm your co-host Steve Stefano Mancini. And I'm Claudio Relsano. And as always, we appreciate you all tuning into our show. All right, Claudio. It looks like we have a very good episode this week. I think we had a very fun time on Sunday. What did you think of that? You know what? First of all, every show says we have a very special guest. Have you ever heard them say, <laughs> yeah, I guess he's all right. She's okay. But we do have a great Yeah, Mike's on. mediocre, but yeah, we'll get right. to that later. No, I, I enjoyed the show Sunday uh, with uh, Bob uh, Sorrentino and the rest of the guests. We have people from Calabria, I loved which it. was great to hear. I didn't expect that. I didn't either, but it was very nice. And I, and I enjoyed uh, talking about my childhood Italian experiences and, and uh, you know I always enjoy talking about my parents and the life they gave me and what we used to do and all that kind of stuff it was nice no it was uh, wasn't the same old questions no that's right you know what I told him I sent an email back and I said you know we should the next time we do let's do it right let's have food in front of us and be right. drinking and make sure your mouths are full and you're yelling <laughs> over each other and you're and you're spilling stars so you're gonna do it right we're gonna do it on a Sunday dinner we're gonna do it right we're gonna be messy but uh, no, that was good. Uh, all right. Well, listen, we have a great guest. Actually, you know what, Claudia? You're right. Folks, we have a pretty mediocre guest, and we don't even know why he's on. <laughs> <laughs> Click, and everybody just tunes off the radio station. No, we've got a great guest, Michael Pizzuto, and uh, he's got a couple of great stories, and I'm kind of really excited to talk to Michael. Michael, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Oh, not a problem. Not a problem. Oh, no, you're good. So, Mike, we uh, want to say, first of all, as always, we say to our guests, you know, when people come on these shows, we're always appreciative of the fact that you're taking time out of your schedule. So I want to start there and say thanks again for coming. But uh, I think we always ask the $64,000 question to our guests. Remember, the theme is Italian impact. So, you know, you either be either impactful or you better be Italian or you better be weekly because, you know, we got three words in the title. Michael, let's start off about your background. Where are you from? Where's your family from? Yeah, so uh, grew up in Pittsburgh, small town called Pitcairn, Pennsylvania. Sure. Um, that's where my grandpa, grandparents settled uh, from when they came from Italy. So my um, my dad's side is from Campobasso in Malese, a small town called Lucido. Um, there's only about 900 people left in that town. And then my mom's side is Abruzzo from a small town called Palena. It's about 40 minutes from Simona. Most people probably know where Simona is. I'm going to be honest with you. Most people in Abruzzo may know where Simona is. But... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> now, where was the fir- where was your dad from again? What part? Uh, Campobasso. So it used to be all Abruzzi back in the before the '60s, I think. Okay. Um, now it's Malese, but Campobasso is the big town, and they're from a small city called Lucido. Okay. Were you ever over there? Yeah, I was at both places uh, in 2019. I was over in Campobasso on my dad's side, and then last year. I got to go to my mom's uh, family side in uh, Palena, and I'm going to head back there in April. Good. Oh, what's the occasion for going back? Besides the fact that it's one of the most beautiful so, countries in the world with the best food in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's number one reason. But uh, just going over there for a couple uh, reasons. Uh, I have a wine import business, and Italy has the biggest wine conference in the world uh, called Fin Italy in April. So that's in Verona, up north. So I'm going to take the opportunity to stop to Palena and see some family that we recently connected with over there. Okay, so you do have relatives still over there? Yeah, on my mom's side that we've met through genealogy research and stuff like that. And they're actually very, very close, you know, in the chain of, uh, you know, the ancestry piece. Now, we're going to probably jump around here a little bit, but you mentioned wine import. But do you make your own wine? I do. Uh, yes. Uh, 
We uh, just got done making it in November, the beginning of November, October. Um, I, I live in Columbus, Ohio now. Okay, home of, uh, home so, of Buster but Douglas, but go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And when Philly Rich. We would get in. Yeah, Philly Rich. He is a great guy who uh, introduced me to you guys. But, yeah, when I was in Pittsburgh, we would make it. I would go to uh, down to the Strip District or Delilah's and get the, yeah. the juice. But now that I'm in Ohio, we make it from uh, the grapes. And uh, there's actually a really cool grape company out of Cleveland that will go up and get some grapes. And uh, we make about 700 pounds, mm. about 40 gallons or so a year. Now, you don't – do you sell that? No, no, you're not allowed to do that. That's just uh, just for home, you know, use. And, yeah, 40 uh, gallons for home use. Okay, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you fooling. <laughs> I mostly just do it to, for the party of doing it, and, uh, you know, passing it out as gifts and stuff like that. Okay. No, it's funny you say that because I made wine, ooh, probably about four years ago with my kid, and I still got all the stuff in my basement to prove it. And we ended up doing the same thing. We made, like, maybe four cases of, like, red wine. And I think we did the same thing. We went to Delilah's and bought, the, and bought the, the juice, and then we just fermented it. And we did some crazy concoctions because he said uh, there was a guy that he was, he was working with, and he would add, like, booze to the wine while it was fermenting. And I'm like, uh, Is yours all gone? Yeah. <laughs> What's <it's> going on? <laughs> I don't remember, Claudio. <laughs> a was couple, it good? A, a couple, I don't remember, Claudio. You don't remember if it was good or not. <laughs> no, it was, it was fine because, you know, I'll tell you one thing. And, and Mike, I think you're going to – you can chime in on this, but I'm going to tell you something. When you make home wine, there, there are different ways to make – and I know this is obvious, but it's not so obvious. There are different ways to make home wine. I'll give you a good example. When I was a kid, I actually picked some grapes, filled up a five-gallon jug, smashed the grapes up and I fermented them in a bucket and I think I my grandma I think she gave me like regular yeast and believe it or not it turned out really good it was a nice rosé color because I'd mixed the grapes I didn't know anybody I was a kid is one of those few times you can drink legally when you make your own booze so it was really good and then other times and I've, I've made white wine since then and it you know that whole the grapes matter the grapes matter but what I've also learned is you know, there's a natural yeast in there, in the grapes. And if you're not careful, it changes completely the taste of the wine or can even ruin the batch. So it's not necessarily something that's outside. But, but I, I, somebody was telling me you have to add this other stuff in the wine when you're fermenting it and then, or, or when you're cleaning them. It kills all the other bacteria that's in there. And then you add your yeast. Michael, walk us through the process because how do you do it? Am I, am I off base? No, no, you're actually exactly right. I mean, there's some traditionalists um, that uh, – don't like to do what you just said, but I do what you said. It's basically starting with like a sterile product. It's, it's sulfite is what it is, mm. and you add that to the to the grape musk, and it kills all the bacteria and any yeast that's kind of already living there. And then you add the fresh yeast in, uh, and you have a clean palate. You have a clean slate, and you allow like you know that you have the right amount of good bacteria or good yeast in there to kind of start the process. And it's interesting because wineries in Italy, they'll actually cultivate the yeast in the vineyard, and then they use that that they cultivated, and then they'll inoculate their wine with that. It's pretty cool. Mike, is the are the grapes, do they taste different in the wine from the, the soil from Italy and here? And if so, why? Um, so, I don't know. So, interesting enough, like, soil is one of the biggest things that will make wine taste different. I've done... Um, 
like they call it a vertical tasting where you're tasting the same wine, the same grape from the same vineyard, just in different parts of the vineyard where the soil is like limestone or sand or something clay or something. And you have a totally, completely different product because of the soil and the way that the, the minerals kind of interact with the, the plant. So yeah, soil plays a big role into it. Tell us how you got started into the wine uh, business. Yeah, so that was actually a trip to Italy, the trip I brought up in 2019. When I moved to Columbus, I joined this Italian club out here. Uh, we have about 400 members, and we decided to take a trip to everybody's hometown. There was about 10 of us that went on this trip, and we went to all these really, really small towns from Rome to Sicily and back, and we were, like, meeting these winemakers and tasting these grapes that we had never you know, had before, like there's a grape out of Molise where I'm from, my mom's, my dad's side's from called Consiglia and I never heard of it here. So we got back and we're like, man, these were really good grapes. I wish we could get some of these stuff here. And one of my business partners owns a produce company here and we just all started kind of looking into it and grabbed some people that were like passionate about wine and their Italian culture and started this wine import business. Okay. Now, uh, how many bottles do you import a year? Or who do you import them to? Yeah, so um, we started in 2019. We filled up our first, it was a 20-foot container. And uh, one month of getting all that wine over here, 20-foot container is about 10 pallets, COVID hits. <laughs> so we had a warehouse full of wine and no one to sell it to. But, um, yeah, fast forward to today, we're still, it's still, um, we're a small business, so we're still learning and, and growing. But um, we try to get a 40-foot container uh, a couple times a year. That's like 20 pallets, like 600 bottles on you know, each pallet. So it's, you know, 10, 15,000 bottles of wine, you know, coming in a lot. So that's probably right around what we're doing right now. Uh, we're hoping to do eight containers this year. But we try to source from every region. So we have wineries. These are family-run wineries. And all kinds of uh, places. So we have two wineries out of Sicily. We're really heavy in the Piedmont area. If you're familiar with Barolos and Barbarescos, mm -hmm. those are like really fun wines. And we got wines from Tuscany. And I think we're in like seven or eight regions right now. Now, Mike, you, you said you're importing. You're obviously selling it. Do you have a small business there, like an actual store people go buy there? So are they buying it online? Uh, so the way it works, because we import and we self-distribute, um, we're not allowed to sell retail to like direct to consumers. So we sell to restaurants and grocery stores. We can sell to like Pennsylvania state and then the state can put it in their stores. We're not there yet. Uh, but if you came to Ohio, we're mostly in Cleveland and Columbus and starting to get into Cincinnati. But yeah, you would go into any restaurant or wine shop grocery store um and you can buy it you know through those channels so you're basically you're you're, you're essentially the importer i don't, I don't mean importer, trivially but yeah. i mean you're the and importer because that's because i'm gonna tell you right now that's not a trivial job because you if i'm not mistaken again help me out here I, depending on what you import especially if it's a food product aren't there standards that you have to make sure that the originators of the food product are following so that it's sanitary and can be consumed in the u.s are you responsible for that, or is it because it's it's an alcohol? You're not. Yeah, um, somewhat. There's there is a like a so the government actually considers uh, anything like higher than seven percent alcohol. They consider that not a food. 
and I learned this uh, when we imported a Moscato. I, I know Moscato is kind of a, a popular wine that people like to drink, but um, most of them are under 7% alcohol. They consider that the food. So the liquor control who like kind of monitors us, they're like, no, that's not alcohol, it's food. Then they want you to go to the FDA. And yes, uh, then that's when you got to get the nutrient content and that kind of stuff, um, you know, look at. But it's, there's a process on both sides, too. On our side, um, there's this, like, a cola process. And on the manufacturer side, which is the wineries in Italy, they have to register for an FDA number and stuff. So it all kind of matches up in safety checks along the way. Now, who ins- I'm just curious, who inspects them overseas? I mean, if I'm, if I'm producing food overseas... Yeah. If, if the FDA does, FDA is not going to walk into my factories probably and and check things. That's why importing food is always eh, tricky business, depending on what you're importing. So how is that? I mean, I, I guess this is more a general question because I'm not worried about the wine. By the way, I'm just more curious about the process. And and, and, I, and I'll and I'll tell you why is I have a relative that exports olive oil to different countries in Europe, but he doesn't export it to America. And it's not it's not a um a health reason. He just doesn't do it because he's just in that area and it just doesn't work that way. But I'm, I was curious at one point saying, huh, I wonder what it takes to become an importer and you're an importer. And to me, this is just interesting because there's a lot of red tape to importing, especially food products. Yeah, there is definitely a lot of red tape. Um, it's not as complicated as I, I originally thought once we started getting into it. And I kind of handle a little bit of the compliance and the, uh, the logistics side, uh, for us. And, um, a lot of it with the wine and stuff like that, I don't know exactly what steps the wineries have to go through. They do have to, like, register and submit stuff to the FDA, and then they get their FDA number. Uh, for us, it's more or less what they look for us is just is that wine legally registered, you know, as a supplier for the United States uh, and then for the state that it is in. And Italy. So we're, like, more like – yeah, more more like uh, did, do they have an FDA number – and um, are you allowed to bring it to Ohio or into the United States? And that's getting some authorization from the wineries. That's that's kind of what they check on us, just to make sure the labels and all that stuff are registered properly. Now, how does that work uh, at the end of the year? Is that a, you know when you're when you're filing your taxes for again? This, folks that are listening are probably going, "What are you talking about?" But this, but I'm going to tell you when you have that bottle, you know that bottle of wine from Italy or Portugal. There is a lot of work that goes on to get that on the shelves, and, and it's, I think it's not appreciated, especially when you're talking about smaller businesses. When you're a larger company, even they're buying from distributors who have to import it, have to go through the process. So I'm just curious, how does that work tax-wise? I mean, does customs, do you have anything to file with customs? How does the whole process work? Yeah, so uh, there's this, it's, it's basically called bond. Um, most of the shipping companies, and I've been learning so much about shipping um, right now, and the price of shipping since COVID has tripled and it really hasn't gone back down. Uh, is that COVID or was that something so else that changed? It? I was waiting for. We're that. blaming COVID, but I got a feeling it was something else. But go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. The static in the background is COVID. Everything's COVID. <laughs> we'll be apolitical. Yeah. It puts. Yeah, it definitely puts a lot of stress on the wineries and then the consumers too, because you know you could be talking a couple dollars a bottle, but um, um, I. Uh, the customs piece, uh, we have to apply for what is called continuous bond. So we have a custom broker that clears all the shipments. So you pay a small kind of fee for that, and you have it all year round. So when that ship comes into the port, 
um, the shipping company will know, see who your broker is on file. The broker will look at all the paperwork and then clear it through customs. And they basically guarantee that you're going to pay any of the taxes, and they kind of work out the numbers. And then we get that that fee just gets pushed on to us, and then then we pay it with the shipping company. So it's kind of all like put together. Forgive me if this is a stupid question. You import the wine. How many different bottles of wine, uh, different companies, different labels do you import? Yeah. Or is it one or two? Is it 10? What, what is it? Yeah, so we're trying to find a good number there. Like, you can only go into a store with, so, with uh, you know, so many bottles. If you don't have, you know, if you only had 10 bottles in your, they call it a portfolio, then you can't really go back there if they're not interested. So we, we're building it. We probably have about 100 ish different wines um we're predominantly italy but we are now getting into some domestic like california uh, and oregon and stuff like that because that's the american palette is still there but uh um yeah we have about 100 different bottles and we probably work with about 25 ish different wineries right now and then we have like a list of some wines that we want so when we go back to italy for vinily we'll, we'll make some appointments with some of these producers in different regions trying to get like the staple wines in each region of italy mike we're going to switch gears we've talked enough about importing wine sure, sure. let's talk about again i saw you first years ago you know when i went back and did a little homework on you and you were in chow pittsburgh and, and you know you said you had a hobby kind of a family thing and i want to talk about the cured meats because uh I originally when we were talking, I thought that was your business. I was kind of more surprised when you were you kind of yeah. returned to importing wines. But talk about the cure meats because uh, again, it's not it's not a trivial thing to do, especially if you're going to do it right. And uh, you guys look like you were doing it right. Let's talk about that. Are you still doing it? And let's kind of walk through that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so um, unfortunately, not doing it right now from a business perspective. But um, uh, growing up, my family made sausage and soppressata and some of the cured meat products. So I got I developed a really big passion for keeping that kind of art form going and uh, started getting into the science behind it, trying to see, like, how you could do that for, like, a business. Uh, me, um, a good friend of mine and my cousin, we ended up deciding to start a small sausage company uh, called Salted Pig in Pittsburgh. And because the fresh product was going to be the easier product to, like, from a legal compliance standpoint, uh, when you get into the cured meats, uh, like you alluded to earlier, um, there's a lot of red tape there, and we were too small. Uh, we had a red, like a commercial kitchen in Pittsburgh um, where we would process it. Um, the state came down and inspected, and we made uh, fresh Italian sausage. We would do about 400 pounds, 500 pounds in a weekend, and then we would take it to local farmer's markets and sell it. Um, and it did well for the first couple, for the first year. Uh, but then my corporate job, uh, decided to, um, close down and, and wanted me to move. And that's when I had to make a decision. Uh, was I in a place to keep the business going and get a brick and mortar or do I, you know, shift and take the corporate gig? Is that, is that why you're in Columbus? Was that, was that what moved you? Yeah, that's what brought me to Columbus. Yeah, that's what moved me out to Columbus. Uh, I, I worked for Verizon for about 15 years out of Pittsburgh, out of Cranberry. Oh, not too bad. Um, again, you kept your roots, though. That's the most important thing. But let's talk about where did you learn how to cure meat? Was that a family tradition or just something you picked up? Yeah. Yeah, my mom's side mostly focused on the fresh sausage. So growing up, we would always make fresh sausage. My Uncle Pete 
Um, he was really big. Does everybody good. have an Uncle fact, Pete out there? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's the one who got me into the wine making too. He bought me my first gallon, my first five bucket gallon of wine whenever whenever I was learning. But yeah, so I learned how to make sausage through them. He added red wine to his sausage, so that was something that we did in the business. Uh, and I remember whatever we did that, the the inspector was like, "I got to see if you have an have to have an alcohol permit for this." And he started <laughs> making all these phone calls, and we didn't we we didn't need to do that. But um, but cooked off my anyways. dad or, my dad's side. Yeah, right, right, yeah. So my dad's side always uh, did the cured meat, the soprasada. And we still do it today. We just got done making um, 400 pounds of it uh, a couple weeks ago because we always make it the second week of uh, January. And that's where I learned how to make that, you know, through him, through my grandpa. And then there's been like a little bit of a hobbyist kind of pop up with that stuff. And now there's like books out there and podcasts and all kinds of stuff around, you know, some of that cured meat stuff. So got really into learning that and made prosciutto and, we we made some capicolas as well uh, this year, so they're hanging right now, and we have. <laughs> I can monitor the room from Columbus right now with an app to see what the humidity and the temperature is, because it, that will that will you'll lose your product if you don't keep that under control. Oh yeah, we used to make 300 pounds a year, and um, obviously some would spoil. Uh, but anyway. Did, did you find, I know for us, uh, we live, we're from Calabria. My mom and dad, their towns were close together, Nucheta and Falerna. But there was a town down the, down the road, maybe about 30 minutes away, called Jitseria. They made their sausage different than we made ours. Why is that? Why, and mm-hmm. it isn't like different, like north and the south. I can kind of get that. But why are the towns, you know, like it would be like Columbus and uh, Cincinnati or Cleveland just being totally different. Why is that? Yeah, I, I'm not sure why the towns are like that. I, I experienced a little bit of that talking to some people in Italy and stuff. And I know our recipe, I mean, we're Abruzzo, uh, Abruzzese, and our recipe came from uh, a Calabrian, uh, a person from Calabria. Oh, wow. Um, and I think it got hybridized a little bit where, because we add fennel to that, and I don't think that's traditional to Calabria. It is. Calabria, Cal- I think, is more the chili. No, no. Well, we use um, we use uh, that that was that's funny you said it because we did use uh, fennel, but then down the road they didn't okay. use it. Yeah, so maybe not all. Of Literally, depending on what town he was from. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I know we we loved the fennel. We I, we used to put a little extra pop of fennel in there. <laughs> yeah. And then north in the north with the black pepper or or paprika. We there was a guy who lived across the yes. street from us from our area of town as well he put paprika which that would be a swear word from the people from where my parents are from <laughs> no. right so michael they, yeah. they don't use the pepper paste and yeah no that's funny but um somebody asked you then you are you're adding wine to it is that is that sweetening it or or what what was the advantage to that uh we add the wine to the we add the wine to the red sausage or like the sweet the regular sausage not to the sopressata but um, to the sausage, you have to add uh, water. Well, you don't have to, but it adds. It helps bind the uh, and kind of give you a good mix with the uh, with the spices and stuff. Um, so wine just adds a little bit of a flavor to it. Um, and we try to avoid the sweet. We would go with something that had a little like oak to it, so that it's not doesn't turn it quite sweet. We tested we tested some wines. I mean, my uncle would just use his homemade uh, wine. We kind of played around with. Uh, 
which wine would work best. Michael, did you find, though, with the wine and the water, maybe too much liquid, it would have tendency to spoil? Well, with the fresh product, you're kind of cooking it. So, like, the only okay. thing we would run into too much with that is, yeah, you would have a loose, uh, like, a loose mixture. But on the super sud side, the super sud side, uh, we do use the pepper paste, which is kind of, we don't add any water, but the pepper paste has, you know, moisture in it. And, um uh, we just played around with the right percentage there to avoid the the, the spoilage piece. Um, we had nitrates too. I don't know that that took a long time to for my grandpa to allow me to add that. To yeah, it, I but, was gonna say. Um, yeah. Well, no. I guess like if you said you're curing it and you said it goes bad, how long does it take before it goes bad? Like, how would you know? When you cut it, there's like a hole in it. It's like something ate through it. I mean, we it just we would put it in our basement, and I'd say ninety five percent of it would be fine, and there'd be a few. So is there literally something in there eating it? Oh no 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 no! It just uh, ah. it just went bad. And that's how it would look like. So yeah. if it looks like there's a hole in it, like something went through it and eat it, and you know it's bad. That's that's what our yeah. Even when you would cut it, it would be a little bit of a. Uh, a harder cut like whenever it was good it was nice cut but then when you would uh cut something bad yeah. you can kind of tell it, it was bad um michael i was just gonna say one time we used to make the hot but i told my mom one time i want it hot and i mean hot she said you want it hot i said i want it hot so there was a little batch for me <clears throat> when you walked into the kitchen the hot pepper would just get into your eyes so much so that my mom we had to take it to the emergency room because half of her arm was red from mixing the uh, thing, right? Oh so whenever we would fry it, whenever we would fry it in the famed basement, yep. right, uh, it, it was hot. But then when it when it cured, it wasn't as hot. It was hot, but it wasn't as hot. But uh, I have. So I, you sent your mama to the emergency room. Uh, yeah, she. It was my. Everything was my fault. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, and you know what else we used to do too? I don't know if you guys did this or not, but. We used to prick the sausage to get the air out. Did you get with a needle? Oh yeah. Okay. All right. I. I yep. Yeah. We. Yep. We prick that. That, that. Eliminates those holes and yeah. stuff like that. I used to hate that. <laughs> it's funny you said that about the the heat too, because uh, we you got to taste it before you yeah, exactly. before you case it, and we said the same thing like, hey, like this is hot right now, but it'll dissipate because uh, yeah. some people didn't like That's it too right. hot, or like it'll melt out while. while you know what though, Mike? It, it was the the I was telling somebody on it. We Steve and I did a show yesterday. We made something. Uh, they say the Italians never waste anything on a pig. They, they eat everything but the oink. But um, we made something called salimoda, which was fried fat with a, a remnants of meat. Right. So when I was a kid, I used to tell my mom. She used to make me like a spoonful of that, a couple of pieces of the sausage, and a piece of bread the size of a wall. I said, Mike, give me some of this stuff. She said, this stuff will kill you, right? And um, I remember my dad told our his cardiologist, and his eyes got big like a toothpick. He said, you ate fried fat. That's why you're here, you know. But then my dad gave him some. He said, well, it is good. Did you guys – we used to make sudzu, which I wasn't crazy. That was more of a gel with meat in it. I wasn't real crazy about that. But the salimata, did you ever – we, with eggs. Oh, man, was that good. Did you ever have anything like that? Yeah, so similar, uh, my grandma on my mom's side, they would make uh, 
when they would make pizza, uh, they would take the leftover fried dough, the dough, yeah. and then they would stuff it with a little bit of uh, pork fat, um, like just pieces of it inside the dough. Yeah. I remember that. I've made lardo before, which is more of a northern product, but it's basically just a back fat, and they cure it with, like, rosemary and stuff. And okay. You spread it on bread, and ironically, I have uh, guanciale curing right now in my refrigerator, which – it's pig cheek, but it's like amazing in the pasta dishes. Um, the, some of the Roman pasta dishes, like carbonara, um, it's basically Italian bacon. So yeah, <laughs> you're right. You, you know what though? We're, we're talking about all this, and, and the food was great. But you know what else? I still remember us in that room and in the table, and 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 the process of making it, and that was even more special to me than the food. Oh yeah. I mean that's that's why I love that weekend when we go home and make when I go home and make the sopressata because it's a two day process and um, we're probably like one of the only families left in our little town in Pitcairn that make it but there's about 15 of us now that get together that's and it's funny. a Friday night and then it's an all day Sunday thing and I. I I enjoy that more than I enjoy like just eating the product. Yeah, and then Sunday's the recovery day from eating all the food. <laughs> that's right. All right, well, Michael, we're we're gonna take a quick little break here, folks. Please uh, stick around. We're going to have a pay for the bills. Claudio, all yours. If you missed Italian Impact Weekly live on WKHB Radio 620 AM 102.1 FM, you can always listen to our archives by going to www.italianimpactweekly.com and hear such great guests as Mario Andretti, Vince Ferragamo, Chris Corciani, Vince Papali, and many local uh, successful business people. Our other show, Talking Business and Life with Claudio Rosano and Steve Mancini, can be heard on www.crsmmedia.com. On this show, we cover such great topics as different funnels. That, that was a joke. Different ah. funnels of income, dealing with rejection, pivoting to a new career, and having. Uh, we've had such great guesses. Boxing icon Jerry Cooney. My show, The Claudio Relsano Show. You can hear that on ClaudioRelsano.com. And we've had a lot of great guests on that show as well. King Griffey Sr., Rocky Blyer, Dick Vermeil, Roman Gabriel, Pierre LaRouche, Jim Rooker, Sid Bream. Don't forget about my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. You can get to get that at my website as well. And on May 18th, there will be a great golf event called Let's Party for KC Golf. It is hosted by Kennedy Catholic Family of School. Um, it will be at uh, Tam O'Shanner Golf Course, in, uh, and it's located at 2961 South Hermitage Road in Hermitage, Pennsylvania. Only $125 per player. Again, it's for the Kennedy Catholic Schools. Please contact Maria Metters at 330-559-8891. Benefits Kennedy Catholic Schools. I will be there for sure. May 18th, 9 a.m. Shotgun Start. Thanks to Greater Pittsburgh Travel. For any of your travel needs, let Tom and the team at Greater Pittsburgh Travel know, and they'll take care of you. For more information, call 412-331-2244 or visit their website at www.greaterpittsburghtravel.com. For all of your plumbing needs, be sure to try Pellucci Plumbing. Nick and the team have decades of experience and will get you back up and running. For more information, call Pellucci Plumbing at 412-782-5050. And we want to thank the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh, if you're interested in learning more, you can find their contact information on Facebook at Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. Again, thanks, Domenica and the team at the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh for your support. And we want to thank La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, the only nonprofit school in Pittsburgh endorsed by the Italian consulate. If you're interested in learning Italian, 
or have your children being immersed in the Italian culture and language, be sure to give them a call at 412-404-7070. And that's La Scuola d'Italia, Galileo Galilei. We'd also like to thank Chris Gonzalez. Chris is a field agent with the Knights of Columbus. If you have any questions about joining the Knights of Columbus, or if you're a current Knight of Columbus and would like to learn more about financial preparedness, reach out to Chris at 412-605-9074. All right, welcome back. Michael, again, thank you for joining us. Thank you all for joining us. And Michael, we're going to talk a little bit, you know, let's talk family. Obviously, these things that you've done were kind of instilled in you through, you know, your family. You talked about your Uncle Pete. And again, we jokingly said, I don't, I don't know, what was the movie where everybody has a, uh, you know, a, a relative named Pete or Mary, and they're married to Mary. Was that Goodfellas? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was Goodfellas. Goodfellas. When he was my, anywhere, he was my, yeah, my cousin yeah, Pete. Yeah. This is my cousin Mary. This is her wife, Little Mary. Little Petey, yeah. big Petey. <laughs> so, Mike, let's talk about your family. Talk about some of those traditions. You know, obviously, winemaking and such. These are things that are instilled in you that become passions. What are some other passions that you feel that your family has instilled in you? Yeah, so a lot of it is obviously centered around food and, you know, um, getting together for holidays and stuff like that. But we do the Feast of Seven Fishes. That's one thing i know it's more of an american kind of tradition but that's something that we've done every year and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger so uh, my grandma has since passed but i remember you know it would take it would be a month uh, into november we're not even at thanksgiving and we're talking and trying to build the menu and uh, my mom has done that now and we, we keep talking weeks ahead of time like who's buying this what are we having and kind of planning for that that event and it's just like a Drinking wine and cooking fish like the whole night and stuff. It's a good time. And what day of the I'm going to ask the sixty-four thousand dollar question. We, you know what, we talked about this, or at least I mentioned this <laughs> on the show yesterday. What's the day of year where everybody gets together for you guys? If there's one day you say we all get together, what is it? It's Christmas Eve. Is Thank one you. of our biggest. Um, <laughs> we have to say. I, I, I wonder if it's, is that an Italian thing or is that an American thing? Yeah, uh, we still do a pretty big Christmas on both sides, but Christmas Eve is like the it's the the home run event. <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced of it too. Yeah, you know what? I, I think everybody <laughs> tries to do that, but Italians maybe take it up a different level. Uh, <laughs> am I right or wrong? No, I mean, I, everybody I gets together for Christmas yeah, Eve. Yeah. I mean, there's food, and then there's food, yeah. and we have food. You know, there's some <laughs> pictures of uh, holidays for for us at home, and. I, that was, I didn't see any plates. I just saw food on the table. Like, where were the plates at, right? You see bottles of wine and, and all this food. And, um, boy, I, and, and we do that at home. Uh, we don't have as many people over uh, for sure. But, you know, the, the old timers back then, they'd congregate to our house. And, and uh, I was a little kid, and I, I remember it like it was yesterday, but it was very, very special. And, um, I, you know, you look forward to it. And then I'll, everybody always used to give me a few bucks, which was nice, too. But it, it, it was special. And looking at those pictures was very special. Did you have things like that as well, Michael? Yes, absolutely. Um, all, all those things uh, and just bringing back different family members and, and that kind of stuff, it, it was it was definitely a definitely good moment. Michael, do you uh, do you maintain those traditions, or you all go to your mother's house or something? Uh, so yeah, we go. So on my dad's side, we still have my grandfather's house, and um, although we're growing out of that space now that everybody's you know, seeing up kids and this and that, but we still do a lot of the holidays there. And he has one of those that that I don't know if it's an Italian or a Pittsburgh thing, but that kit, that basement kitchen, uh, oh, yeah. the second kitchen. <laughs> That's and an Italian big thing. Room. Yeah. yeah. 
So we have a big room there, and, you know, 20, 30 of us get together uh, for that. And then uh, my mom's been hosting it at her place. And, in fact, uh, she's just getting a new kitchen done and uh, is already talking about how much easier it's going to be at the holidays now that, you know, with a, with a new kitchen. So, uh, yeah, everybody shows up at both of those kind of houses, and that's kind of where we all con- congregate. And the bottom line is it's never too early to start planning the Christmas menu. So don't think that, hey, I've got to wait till November. You can start now. There's nothing wrong with that. Mike, yeah. let's talk about a couple other things. You know, um, the, the importing the wine is basically a, a part-time gig. You know, you said like, you have a full-time job, and that's kind of your part-time gig. You know, you have, you know, the hobby of curing meat when you can. What are some other things going on in life? Yeah, so um, yeah, hopefully the wine business will be able to transition full-time at some point here. We're, get, we're getting close. But well, we are a nation um, of boozers, but, uh, so that's a possibility. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, I'm real into everything around our culture and our heritage, and um, luckily I met a lot of my friends by being involved uh, in this Italian organization here. So we have an Italian uh, club, uh, about 400 members here in Columbus, uh, and I'm I'm currently the president of it right now, but that will be coming to an end here in April when we have our new elections. But that keeps me pretty busy because we do a lot of uh, – we do – raise money for scholarships for tiny american kids um and we do a lot of other other stuff here so it's another way to you know other hobbies but also incorporating the italian you know culture into it you know we talked about having people over for the holidays and do you remember the baseball player sid bream played for the pirates and played well during thanksgiving Mm -hmm. he had 67 people over his house and sid is not italian so i think everybody likes to have a lot of people i've never had 67 people i wouldn't want 67 people over there fit in my house yeah (laughs) but um okay so how yeah yeah right now how uh, how much competition is there in your business the wine import business and what sets you apart from somebody Uh else yeah i mean it's there's a ton of competition and Ironically, in Ohio, two of the largest U.S. wine um, importers are here. But the the food scene has is changing. I think uh, you know all the slow food stuff. Everybody's kind of getting back into like their roots and their heritage. So for people like us um, that have this business and we build it off of the the Italian niche, we have a little bit of um, an advantage in a sense that like we're working with some smaller wineries. And when I say smaller, it doesn't mean that they're not well-known or anything. In fact, in Italy, their landscape is trying to, is changing a little bit where, uh, and not to get too boring here with this kind of stuff, but these wineries have the opportunity to select a national importer or they can go to like a bunch of independent importers. And a lot of times the allure of these big national importers is like, well, we'll buy all your stuff, but we need it for like this price. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and they'll go with that. Then they put the marketing money behind it. But a lot of them, you know, uh, the wineries we work with are their families been doing it. One of them out of Piemonte, there's three young girls. Uh, they've taken it over uh, from their great great grandparents, and they choose to work with small independent wineries. And they actually they don't focus on how much wine you're gonna sell for them. They're like, are you gonna put our wine in the right places? 
Are you going to, you know, represent our wine the right way, like how we want it to be represented? So you're, we're seeing more of that, which is helping us as a smaller business mm-hmm. um, be able to tell their story and, and help them and bring their wine to, you know, in the United States. You know, another thing, too, you walk into a, a state store, a liquor store, and you see all the different variety of wines. So I asked you about your business, wine import business, how competitive it is. But the wine itself is extremely competitive. Again, yeah. there's so many different ones. And we've had a couple on our show, Vince Ferragamo, the old L.A. Rams quarterback, has a boutique uh, wine, does pretty well out in California. Mario, yeah. and- Mario Andretti. Uh, had a nice uh, facility in Napa. Yeah, a lot of them see they got there on the California mm-hmm. coast. Yeah. But but it, 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 do they make? I don't mean those two guys, but as a whole, do they make money? Uh, these wine companies, because again, there's so many, uh, so much competition. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good question. And sometimes I try to go through the economics. I'm like, if they're only producing, you know, a hundred thousand bottles or two hundred thousand bottles a year, and they're selling it for this much money. Like, but a lot of them had this land, like this you know, this land in these, you know, amazing places, you know, for a long time, hundreds of years, and it's been built up. So they are, they are making money, but I think it is harder and harder for them to do it. Um, that, and I think that's why they rely on some people like us that are going to be the smaller company, be able to, you know, represent their wine. It's just more work on them okay. uh, than it is, um, uh, than it is for these big national companies that will just come in and, and take it. So there is there is money to me, but it's definitely uh, getting smaller and smaller. As like in California, mm-hmm. a lot of these predominant wineries that we know about, they're just getting bought up by bigger and bigger corporations. Um, but we see a little bit of a separation too. So it's a little bit of both. I collect celebrity wine, and why are celebrities so <laughs> many of them? A lot of athletes, quarterbacks, Dan Marino, Joe Montana used to yeah. have one. Uh, Boom Boom Mancini from out your well from Youngstown uh, has one. Jack Nicholas has yeah. one. Fred Couples, Arnold Palmer, uh, many many. Uh, the guy from Shark Tank, uh, Kevin the the bald guy, I forgot his name. Kevin. Not gonna lie, I don't watch it. Yes. What the hell's yeah. his name? <laughs> Kevin something. Kevin. It's on the tip of my tongue. I have it. But anyway, so why it's do so many? Yeah, yeah. Why do so many celebrities uh, get involved in it? I think wine is like uh, it's just it's becoming a, a, a more of a common thing now. Uh, people are getting more into it. The NBA is actually really big into wine. Um, there's a lot of NBA players that have their own wine, or they're just drinking really good wine and actually posting, you know, taking the social media and things about it. But I, I'm not sure exactly what causing explosion. I think a lot of it is podcasts like yours, like kind of exposing these types of stories and stuff like that. And people are traveling. And um, so I think a lot of that has to do with like, we're, we're experiencing more, more wines. It's not just the old California Cabernets and things like that. So um, I think just there's access to a lot more information and um, stuff now. Kevin O'Leary. I just looked it up and I have the wine. Yeah. And then I saw, yeah, I, have, I have a Yankees logo wine. Uh, Fred couples has one, uh, Jeff Gordon, a lot of guys, like I said, it's, uh, and then some of the guys are also going into bourbon, but that's another, it's like an ego. I'm thinking what's coming up. Gotta be like an ego thing. You know, they want to put their name and their brand on something. Uh, why makes it easy. I mean, it could I, be I, yeah, I mean, I doubt that they're out yeah. there. I mean, some of them probably no, are. Like Tom I mean, Seaver. He had one, which I did not get. I regret it, but he, Actually, had his hands in the soil. Yeah, but I'm wondering how many. I mean, be realistically, how many. Marino did. Yeah, they're licensing their name. Yeah. They're saying, oh yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> yeah. for, for this amount of money. Yeah. Drew Bledsoe. 
Drew Bledsoe had one, Double Back, I think it's called. I don't have yeah. that one yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make a leap of faith that most of these guys are not out there in the vineyard, you know, trimming them in the fall. Ferragamo <laughs> actually does. He and, does. And yeah. Tom Seaver we yeah. used to go out there and, uh, and, and cut a lot yeah. of the grapes, yeah. Uh, Mike, let me ask you a question. When you think back of your, yeah. your childhood, and obviously you've become very passionate about the Italian-American community at large, the culture, you know, you go back, kind of living. One of the things we often talk about is people say, oh, I'm Italian, I'm Italian, and what do you do? Well, I don't know. You ever go back to where you're from? Not really. You speak in Italian? No. What do you got churches you have? I don't know. So it's like, I know. It, it just becomes a, what are you, besides having a, a, a surname that ends in an I? Michael, what are some, what, if you, what, was the, what is the one thing that if you said, you know what, this is the one thing that truly makes me Italian-American, what would it be, besides the surname? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a, a tough question. I think um, – it can I, be two things then, Michael. Um, it can be two things. About, <laughs> I, I think it's just keep, keeping some of these traditions, whether they're Italian, Italian-American, alive. I think that's the big thing. Uh, talking to some of these Italian winemakers that I get to meet and hang out with, they'll, be, they'll say stuff like, you're more Italian than we are, you know, because they've, they've lost some of those things or touched with some of those things nowadays and stuff. So I think, I think it comes around, like, the traditions and – just that kind of stuff. If you keep some of that alive, I think that's the biggest thing. Whether you're Italian or not Italian, if you appreciate any of that, I think that's one of the, the big things. No, I, I was just saying, um, I um, you know I got really into wanting to understand like where my family came from and why they came over. So I've done a lot of like genealogy stuff um, to kind of get to some of that. And I even just went through the dual citizen process. And, you know that that road led me down that path, but. Do you have a favorite wine, or can't you really say because you're in that oh, business? Yeah, it's hard to say because I'll sound like a wine geek um, if I do because I've le- I've learned like before I would only drink like got into like homemade wine and sweeter wine and now I like dry wine and not like at all and it's really depends on like what I'm doing um, like if it's you know hot outside and it's early and you're having some appetizers a good white wine or a prosecco right. um, if you're having like a really good like meat or something like that a barbaresco or a barolo so i kind of it's kind of situational for me okay and i forgot to mention my favorite uh, greg norman has a wine huh? how can i forget that i always mention him at Dan oh, that's your boy <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's got a wine yeah but you know what real quick the, the, I, I went to an event last year this guy bought a bottle of wine it was like 250 dollars. and to be honest with you I wasn't crazy about it. And you can get a Carlo Rossi or a uh, Mogan David for like six bucks. Paisano. There you go. And it's, it's I liked it better. Yeah. Mo, it was good. You know, I, I get that all the time. By the way, you know, it's funny yeah. you say that. When I'm in Italy and they ask what kind of wine you want, and, you know, the tourists, they think, oh, I've got to get the Italian wine. The best wine to get is the house wine. Oh, I'm sure. The hot, no, the, just whatever's on the house. The yeah. cheap, it, it's the, that's usually yeah. the best wine because it's probably some local stuff, nothing fancy, no big that's name. It. The other stuff, that's for the tourists. Yeah. If you're buying a big bottle, expensive bottle in Italy, you pay too much. Yeah. Tell it, me it's what the to be wine. seen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Michael, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's what kind of spawned our business. Like the Tintilia wine out of Malaysia, like it, it's not a wine. You, you can see some articles if you Google it. It's supposed to be up and coming grape and stuff. But no, that was a table wine regional. And there's a funny story because when we were in Italy, we were all drinking this wine at this restaurant after visiting my town. And everybody's like, this wine is amazing. And, like, we were going to buy it from the restaurant. And our driver, um, who became, has become a friend over the years, he's like, no, no, we'll go to the cantina. And we weren't really sure what he meant. But what he meant was we're just going to go right up the street to the winery. And we went there and got a bunch of that wine from 
you know, the actual winery that made it, like, you know, a few minutes away from the restaurant that we were eating at. That's an Italian word, yeah, cantina? Yeah, different. I didn't know That's that. what I love. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still stuck on cantina. I'm thinking, where were you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, all right, Michael, listen, if folks uh, want to get a hold, yeah. well, if they want to get a hold of you or they want to learn more about what you do, how do they get, how do they, how can they find your wines? And I know you're not doing the cured meats, but there is a good article out there. I think it's in Child Pittsburgh about what you did years ago. I think that's a good article, just a fun article to read. But if they want to learn more about you and get a hold of you and, and what you're doing, how can they find you? Yeah, I mean, they can definitely shoot me an email um, at uh, michael.pizzuto, uh, that's P-I-Z-Z-U-T-O, at edvinter.com. And our wines, you know, hopefully will be available in Pennsylvania at some point. Um, but um, there's a good chance if you're in Ohio um, that you'll that you'll find one somewhere. All right. Repeat your email again just one more time for the folks. Mike.pizzuto, P-I-Z-Z-U-T-O, at edvinter.com. Awesome. And again, we'll put that so out there. Our when we... business is EDV International. Okay, perfect. You know what? We're going to put that out there when we post the uh, show online. And, uh, Michael, as always, we'd like to thank our guests profusely for taking time out of your schedule because I suspect you're pretty busy in the wine importing business and you've got the day job. And uh, how about any any family members, uh, little ones, wife, anything going on running around keeping you even more busy? No kids yet of my own, but I got a uh, uh, nephew that's two and just a lot of family and friends. So definitely uh, very keep active. You, right you know now. what? Let me tell you something. Everybody will tell <laughs> you you'll live, you'll live to be 120 <laughs> if you stay single, buddy. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not telling you to stay single. I'm just saying that the rumor is you're going to live to be 120 if you stay single. You drink a little bit of wine every day. You relax. You're going to live a nice full life. Michael, again, thank you very much for your time. And uh, as always, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you, Michael. We appreciate you. Good luck. Hey, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate what you guys are doing for this, uh, the Italian community. So thanks again. Right, thanks, Michael. Thank you. Take care of yourself, buddy. We'll be in touch. Thanks to Greater Pittsburgh Travel. For any of your travel needs, let Tom and the team at Greater Pittsburgh Travel know, and they'll take care of you. For more information, call 412-331-2244 or visit their website at www.greaterpittsburghtravel.com. For all of your plumbing needs, be sure to try Pellucci Plumbing. Nick and the team have decades of experience and will get you back up and running. For more information, call Pellucci Plumbing at 412-782-5050. And we want to thank the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. If you're interested in learning more, you can find their contact information on Facebook at Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. Again, thanks Domenica and the team at the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh for your support. And we want to thank La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, the only nonprofit school in Pittsburgh endorsed by the Italian consulate. If you're interested in learning Italian, or have your children being immersed in the Italian culture and language, be sure to give them a call at 412-404-7070. And that's La Scuola d'Italia, Galileo Galilei. And welcome back, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the interview as much as we did. You know, uh, Steve, I'm funny about wine. Uh, rarely, rarely, rarely will you see me drink wine outside of my dining room. I, I don't know why, what it is with me. I, I just I just don't. I have a little. I, I have it in my dining room again. That's where all the bottles that I collect. I think I have about a hundred. Well, celebrity wise, I think I have like 25, uh, 25 to yeah, around thereabouts. And I have a hundred and something bottles, you know, all over the place, and obviously in, in racks and things like that. And and I love looking at them. I, I love looking at them. They're, they're beautiful to look at the labels and so on and so forth. But um, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. And, and um, but again, the, I, I have some expensive bottles. Uh, Dick Vermeil has a bottle. I have one signed from him and Vince Papali. 
But um, so that's a, a pretty nice, expensive one. How long before that, they go bad, though? That's what I always wonder. I that's a because good wine question. does. They say we should age, yeah. but I was told it doesn't age in the bottle. And in fact, it's just when you open it and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm even in the in the bottle itself, I didn't. I didn't well, know I'm never like, going to drink the celebrity ones. Well, again, yeah, that's that's are, different, right? Yeah. But I mean, if you because it was he said something about you know, hey, when COVID hits, I'm thinking, but that wine's not going to go bad. Yeah, I mean, okay, you sell it a year later, but it's still going to go. You know, I that I don't know. Uh, I do have some bottles from 1982, a Suave Bola that my parents bought. I have um, anything that old that you're willing to drink? No, we have some Galliano that. Um, uh, my my mom bought me bought in seventy seven. She said we will open this when you graduate college. Uh, it's still it's still sealed. Uh, <laughs> the, we should have opened it for my daughter. But I, I don't know if if it, if it's if it goes bad or not. But I I don't open anything. My my parents got. I still have it. But um, that's sentimental. I, I it's sentimental. I, I wouldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, I don't either. I, a friend a friend of mine who passed. He delivered something to Mario Lemieux's house and Mario Lemieux's a big wine collector. And, uh, so he said, Oh, Mario, it'd be good to have a glass of wine. So Mario said, sure. So he was going to give it to me. He said, no, I wanted that bottle over there. And it was like a two or $3,000 rare bottle of wine. Lemieux said, no, we're not drinking that. But, um, yeah, like I said, I, I, I enjoy, I, I knew that when we, when we remodeled our dining room, I knew that I was going to have this set up and I enjoy it and, and it brings life to the room, but there's a lot of them that, uh, Jason Grilly, the former pirate, uh, uh, gave me one in, in August. He said, I said, well, I'm not going to no, drink it. Tell me how it is. And I'll give you another one. Well, I'll wait till he gives me another one. But, um, Bob Bazzelli, who was on our oh, yeah. show, he works with Smokey Robinson and Smokey Robinson has a wine, yep. which I'm still waiting for Bob to give me one. But uh, I think they, they're sold around Pittsburgh. But all these singers and athletes, a lot of quarterbacks, uh, golfers. Again, they're just, I, I'm, they they're just licensing their name at that point then, you know. Like, I'm, well, I'm you not know saying what? all of them are. Yeah, there's But I'm saying most that, of these people are not going out to the venue. They might they might do the tour. Yeah. This is where the, this well, is, I, I know somebody like Andretti, he, he, he tastes it first. And he will not send it out until it gets his stamp. Uh, I know Boom Boom Mancini's the same way. Um, now, there's some. I have one, a Rocky Marciano label. His son's involved in it. I don't know how deep he's involved in it, but he's involved in the business end of it anyway. But you're right. I, they're not going to go out there and dig and fertilize and water. But, uh, you know, some of them are, have their hands in it pretty good. Now, for the record, I did pick my own grapes when I was a kid. So yeah. I've been there. You did it. I did it. I did it. But anyways, folks, we want to appreciate, you know, again, that you're taking the time to spend with us. As always, we are uh, just humbled by the fact that folks are so, you know, they're, they're receiving this show so well. And again, we're just trying to promote Italian culture and keep pushing it along, you know, and that way when folks say, what do you know about Italy? You can say, well, I listen to Italian Impact Weekly and I learned everything I need to know about wine and cured meats. And Claudio there's, showed me a picture. Summer. There's one. There you go. There's one part of it. What is that? You that's, see your, that's Claudio's house? That's my dining room, yeah. Oh, wow. Claudio, I, that's Claudio, Claudio, when, are we gonna, when are you going to have Joe and I over for uh, for dinner? Joe's been over numerous times. No, you guys are more than welcome to come over anytime. Joe, what the? Anyways, Claudio, sign us off, buddy. All right. Well, we appreciate all of you listening. Uh, we, we love list, getting the emails you send us. We appreciate your, you, you, you following us and your loyalty to us. And as always, thank you, Mommy Pop.